Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to part two of our Euro Cup autopsy. I'm joined by James, who I haven't spoken to on record for up to four minutes now. How's it going, James? Not too bad. We also don't speak off record, so yeah. it's it's been a long, long time. Oh. I really hope this podcast doesn't go well, because that's proof of concept that we can do an hour and 45 minutes in a row. <laughs> I don't want to know that. No, happier not knowing, and I think our listeners are happier not committing to that. Crucially, I think our wives are happier know, not, not like us not knowing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, so we just got done talking about EuroCup 2, so if you haven't checked that out already, definitely go and do that because it was a weird little tournament but there's some interesting games teams and players so check that out we are now about to talk Euroleague one so there's eight teams here so there's a lot to cover so we're gonna run down the order of the final standings and hopefully use that as a guide to talk about these teams an appropriate amount so winners of Euro Cup one Gran Canaria so congratulations to them. Second was Ilan Ramatgan of Israel. Third, Sitting Bulls of Austria. Fourth, Toulouse of France. Fifth, hosts Hanover United, who were definitely the second best team and just ended up going out in the quarterfinal, but we'll get to that. Oh, that was going to be an entire like 10-minute bit for me, but <laughs> fine. Yeah, fine, we can still watch it. Uh, sixth was Porto Torres, seventh was Pilatus Dragons of Switzerland, and eighth was Halachim Haifa of Israel. So, where do we want to start with this? Let's talk about the fact that Gran Canaria are not only good because they play over points, and even when playing to an appropriate amount of points, as anyone else would seem fit, they're definitely still good enough to be in Champions Cup. Yeah. Also, like, it's really funny because you say this and like, you don't mean it in the first place. You're just making fun of like other people who mean it, but also they're still over points. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're still, they're still four, three, five, three, five, three, five, one. Like, it, it doesn't like we can, yeah. we can litigate the, the point reduction stuff all we want. I don't actually care. I like, we both just think it's funny. And um, that other people say that, like, I, I played there, like yeah. I benefited from it. Okay. I just dropped the microphone again, we're, two podcasts in a row. I benefited from it. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I benefited from not having to do anything that a one wouldn't do. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, man. They were far and away the best team in this tournament. And we've also spoken about this in the other podcast, but, like, don't know why they're not going to Duringen in two weeks' time. Like, uh, wholeheartedly my theory here is because Gran Canaria went to Champs Cup last year right when it was yeah well the actual answer is because of their like IWBF point ranking system apparently they're not in the top eight well they're not but they finished correct me if I'm wrong here finished sixth fifth I think fifth or sixth I'll have to look that up but um I was there and I think it was fifth okay cool did we beat Albacete in the last day I think we did I don't remember I don't know. Yeah, fifth or sixth. I, um, I literally, I literally like, I just, I can't remember. So they, they finished fifth. Porto Torres finished eighth, I think, but still went. And they're both in EuroLeague League One this year. Meanwhile, Mo, who didn't go to Champs Cup last year, are in Champs Cup. And does Sofiane Mayowi just have one man Champions Cup entry for whatever team he's on? <laughs> I don't know if that's it. I think last year's. Didn't count for the rankings. Someone right. told me. I have no idea. I would like. I could spend so long talking about something that I actually don't know about. Everyone know. Everyone who knows me knows that I could do that. But I. <laughs> I don't know. I just like there are teams here that could hang in Champs Cup, and there are teams that we've just spoke about in Euroleague Two that would have done all right in Euroleague One. Yeah, like definitely. But yeah. So my first question, as you kind of alluded to, was going to be. If Hanover, um, I don't know when they're doing the draw, if Hanover freeze some of the ping pong balls and don't get Grand Canaria, do they end up in the final? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. There's just, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by Ramat Gan, but they definitely had the bracket fall their way and they made the most of it. So no harm to them, but had the bracket fallen in a way that was slightly less favourable, I dare say they wouldn't have made their way past Hanover if they ran into them. 
No, like you can only beat who's in front of you and they beat who was in front of them until five o'clock today. But <laughs> yeah, so in that regard, like they, they deserve it. But I, I think Hanover are the second best team yeah. that were yeah. there. Um, like I'm like second best for sure because they played Gran Canaria, which we'll get on to. And Gran Canaria looked pretty, I don't not comfortable, but like pretty good against them and even Jorge in foul trouble. Yeah, I think, so this is my big takeaway from this weekend in general, is that I think we even had Jan on here on our EuroCup 1 preview, which is on our coffee account, so go check that out. But, well, I don't know how much you want to check out a preview now that the tournament's happened, but also go to our coffee account and support us. But um, I think Jan was under no illusions that Gran Canaria were the best team coming in. And he, uh, I think, I think he probably genuinely thought they had a shot. And so I, did I, to be fair. Well, like they, I, they did I have a shot. Surprised. They did have a shot. Jan said he enjoyed watching Gran Canaria for the last couple of years, as I think a lot of people have because of the style that they play. And yet, despite that being the case, and their captain having great admiration for how they play, Hanover didn't seem to know to jump Rose Holland. <laughs> and it's like, hey guys, how many of these games? Have, this is like saying you've done your homework and then like just trying to blag the answers when you get asked about it. It's like, I know that German games don't go on YouTube and Spanish games do, but German people still have YouTube and could watch these games if they wanted. Um, I'm sure they scouted, but the thing that I, let's, let's get into the, let's get into the X's and O stuff a little bit, but like the thing I noticed they were happy to go, especially when it was Jorge Sanchez, Jorge Salazar, two man game, um, Ari up the middle, Rose behind a David Hernandez screen. They had they planted their weak side big just in the middle of the paint. It wasn't like a they sagged off a little bit for whatever reason to help their guard jump Rose easier or to invite them into the paint off the jump. It was they started with two on two one side, one in the middle, one against two on the weak side, and a big under the basket. Which if you're gonna try and not jump Jorge, which they tried not to, and you're going to jump the life out of Rose, that one person who ends up on the weak side better get there. Yeah. Uh, or else it's like you're kind of minimized. I, I, like that's how a lot of teams have success against Grand Canaria. They kind of jump the life out of Rose and hang hang out in the paint yeah. everywhere else. But man, if you're gonna if you're gonna like I don't want to say skip a step, but you're going to like yeah, reposition if you, yourself. If you in want to that push way that, to wow. kind of like, we'll call it like NBA teams call it like drop coverage where you jump pick and roll and the big kind of just plays too. like the first step is you better get there. Like teams kind of jump Rose off the ball and do that. And there's a little bit of success, but yeah, Rose kind of got, Rose kind of got off. I mean, it for me, 18, 18 points. Yeah. Uh, the, this 11 was- rebounds. Yeah, that was big, and she also had like she had the most physically impressive female player in a male-dominated competition play of the whole tournament. I think where she just was like pushed in off one of those cuts when they were sagging too far into the middle. I think Jorge Salazar shot and missed, and she had Jan Sadler on her, and she just pulled the rebound down and stuck it back in. I was like. That's so badass considering every team's plan is, hey, jumper and be physical. She was like, what if I bring the fight to you? Yeah. The very first play of the game, um, well, no, also Hanover started the game with two threes and made both of them. And I was like, oh, here we go. This game's going to be like 90-85. But <laughs> um, very first Grand Canaria offense, Rose and David were left two on run, two on one and Rose ran a layup in. And I think the thing is like, if you're going to, play like a lot of teams do against Grand Canaria to be like, hey, do not let Rose get going. We'll figure everything else out. Like, you, you better know where she is, sort of thing. And it's like Grand Canaria do a really good job of running in transition and getting men out so that if you have a five-on-five scheme to defend them, you're five-on-four or four-on-three or something, and things change a little bit. Like, the adjustment Grand Canaria made was... First, they took Ari and David off and went uh, Raul and Luigi. And kind of, if you want to run the way Hanover looking to run, and there's not a one-pointer on the floor, 
um, things are slightly more complicated, but then they just ran the ball down Hanover's throat, which is like, all right, cool. You've got a, you've got a half court defense to run against us. All right, cool. Yeah. No, thanks. I don't want to see that, but yeah. yeah. um, My greatest question for this, bearing in mind, this is a 12 point win for Gran Canaria. I found myself watching this game and I think watching a couple of subsequent Hanover games being like, this is the most I've, obviously I wish Mariska had been back all year because it sucks that she's out with COVID, but I think this is the most visibly that Hanover have missed Mariska because they've got quite a lot of shooting and ball movement and not really anyone whose intent is to get inside and finish, which I feel Alexander like, Bud is a big guy and um uh he is on the bench. But he's yeah kind of he when he's going inside against Ari and Salazar and Luigi, he's not enormous, like he's a big solid dude, but he's not gonna dwarf them the way that even when they played like sitting bulls later in the tournament, the Czech guy from sitting bulls was just like, I'm just gonna post if I have Rose on me, I'm posting her up because I'm huge. Um sure. and, yeah, I think. Hanover were really unfortunate that Mariska's not back in action yet because I think maybe it's not like a she scores 12 points and changes the game on her own, but I think it's a dynamic thing of balancing the floor for them that mm. could have worked in Hanover's... Like, it's not a shock to say best women's player in the world joining back in for two and a half points is going to give you a leg up, but... For sure, yeah. They missed that specifically for this matchup. yeah. I would agree. Um, as I say, like I thought Hanover would have gotten a little bit closer. And yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think it was Grand Canaria just really showed their class rather than Hanover disappointed yeah. in any way. Like you could like every time a game is a, like a 12 point win or a 12 point loss, it, it's both of those things. And you can kind of look at it in either direction. But yeah, I thought thought they were going to have a better run at it and maybe if they'd have met in the final and seen a little bit more, maybe it could have been a bit different, but I don't know. I wanted to see that game a couple of times, which is why I would have loved it to be in like groups and then quarterfinals and stuff. Yeah. Definitely. But, uh, yeah. Um, that's some just, of the other games we watched. Just on that point, I think this, because every time we've done a finals for Euro cup, like the couple that are in Sheffield, it being a group stage of, three games and then a crossover and then a wherever you end up game. Five games in three days feels so much more like a tournament than three games in three days. Oh, for sure. Three games in three days feels like you're only just kind of getting familiar with everybody and then it's like, okay, this is the end. Yeah. That is what it is. I guess this has all been thrown together relatively late in the, you know, there wasn't any sureness about how Eurocup was going to go ahead. So that's obviously not a criticism. It's just no Hanover were handed this as well. Like sure. Um so I mean in a bad way. Like that sounded like and, and Hanover were like this was landed upon them yeah. as a thing of like hey organize a tournament and they did a great job. Um apart from why is your floor red? No I'm only joking. Yeah. Um, I'm not can you tell uh the, the floor was red and then there was the thing on the live stream at about 4 to 5 p.m. every day where the windows were at the far end compared to the camera. So at the point where the camera was pointing into the lit up windows, you could just see people's outlines down that end of the floor. And it was like, this is the most difficult to follow basketball I've ever seen because everybody is shadows. Yeah. To be fair, like my home court here in Bilbao is a candidate for natural light, making it terrible. Like Anyway, right. Do we have any more... Well, this this tournament actually had a final, so should we start there and work our way back? Or? Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, Gran Canaria, in the end, beat uh, Ilan Ramat Gan, 81-46, and this was 49-20 at halftime. <laughs> yeah. I had a little, like, two, three minutes of, like, Shabo hitting tough post-ups and me being like, oh, I don't know maybe Shabo's size might be an issue or whatever. And I was like, this could be a bit of a game. And no, Grand Canaria were just so good for for the first half. Second half, they kind of coasted, obviously. But yeah, I let everyone play. But I think Ilan Ramagan have pretty good players. Like they got some good pieces. But I think when you see teams come in from 
the leagues outside of kind of the big three or four, like teams coming in from Israel, in this case, like Austria, and then in the other Euro Cup, there was teams from Turkey and Poland. It just tends to be that they play le- like this isn't a hot take, but these teams from the league leagues where the quality is overall lower just play less sophisticated basketball. And I think Ramagan did a good job of getting there on their kind of physicality and their bigs abilities to hunt mismatches and finish. But you're going to have a really tough time doing that against a team that is known for its execution and precision in getting the shots they want and finishing them. Yeah, like I messaged you earlier about it and I said this was a team that's like hanging on by hitting tough shots um, against a team that's like absolutely elite at getting very, very high quality shots and hitting them in a good clip. Like it's a team that uh, like scheme-wise finds good looks and also has the talent to hit them versus a team that was just like, when they were hanging in there, it was like, um, like contested post ups, like a couple of tough, a couple of tough shots from Doug. I mean, he 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 had a three at one point, and I was like, oh, maybe if they just like absolutely shoot the lights out and stuff that they probably shouldn't, right. they can hang around. But like that's not. That's you not. say that, but also maybe if they shoot the lights out, isn't a game plan. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Um, that's what I mean. Like it's just like it's almost like can you get there from. Can you get there from from talent? Like I saw a thing. I was watching. This is a real, real left field thing. But I was watching, um, or sorry, reading someone talking about Boston against uh, Brooklyn the other day, and it's just like Brooklyn are exec- I mean, Brooklyn are um, just being out executed, and their plays end up being like, can we make a shot rather than make a play? Like. Yeah, or can we make a play rather than run a play was the thing. Yeah. Um, which I kind of I think that's that's kind of what you're looking at there. Like Definitely. what's um we'll do this now while we're on the final because we've done the Grand Canary a bit already, but what's your thoughts on Shabo as a player? I think we've known him for ages because I think he was in the juniors when we were still knocking around, right? But I think so. Um yeah, did well this tournament. Um can hit tough shots has size, but yeah, like good team like Grand Canaria gave him a lot of trouble. He was six from 22 in 33 minutes. Yeah. Um, not all his fault, obviously. You've got to put some mad stuff up. Um, yeah. You can obviously put someone in like better situations, but I, yeah, I think he's quite good and like he's he's young enough still, isn't he? Like, yeah, yeah. He's, I think he's, I think he's maybe even a, a year or so younger than us, maybe a bit more than that, but I found myself, I think maybe this is, I've got the thought in my head and now I see it everywhere, but I think we've talked about a couple of teams now and even just mentioning like Hanover at this point where it's like, I wish they just had somebody to go inside. And we've said that about like, for example, when we do the week by week roundups, we've said that in the case of like Malaga and Vigo and whoever else. And you see Shabo shooting all these, pretty heavily contested mismatches because his team's not got the most shot creation in the half cut. And I look at that guy and I'm like, I would love to see him with somebody who made his life easy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. um, That was kind of my big takeaway. And Ramat Gan have got good players, but. um, Yeah. I was impressed by um, Radhi Dagamin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sorry. But. Um, I don't, I'm not apologizing to you, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I thought he was good. Um, but yeah, they just needed a bit more. Yeah. I mean that they had like depth of decent bigs and stuff, but as most Israeli teams or like slightly more Eastern style teams do, they almost all their lineups are like three bigs and two ones. I know their starters had, um, the two five in, but yeah, they, it always felt like they weren't really able to shuffle anything around to make Shabo or anyone else's life easier. It was just like, hey, we'll run the same style, these guys in, these guys out, and it's not going to work against Gran Canaria because their whole thing is you kind of have to beat them by matching their spread of size and speed and mobility. Yeah. Also, we haven't mentioned it up until this point, a big difference maker. Um 
Jorge had a hell of a game, Jorge Sanchez, because the refs finally let him play. <laughs> um, I every time he got like I'd never seen someone end up not playing because they're on four files already in the third and three of them be charges. <laughs> but I as as he got kind of um tough whistles in two of the first like of the first two games both times I was like I don't know whether to message him and make a joke or whether he's like actually you know what I mean if you're in the middle of a tournament you're not being allowed to play because you're getting a tough whistle yeah (laughs) if someone making fun of you you might be like hey come on man but yeah so I messaged him to say good luck for this game and he was like thanks if the refs would actually let me play I was like oh cool we're in so I just (laughs) I did. I did the thing giving him and Rose the uh, co-holders of the belt just before we jumped on here, and I like wrote out all his stat line. I was like twenty-four points, twelve rebounds, seventeen assists, and I was going to write like thirty-five point ten minutes or whatever it was, because that I think his like through the first two games he'd been at like twenty-three minutes because of foul trouble. Yeah, you should have said two files. Like <laughs> that should have been on it. Um, but yeah, they actually let my man play and. He had 24, 17, and 12. Yeah. So, <laughs> what are you? What? <laughs> shout out. Shout out to him. Um, yeah. Pretty good. Uh, Rose also um, had 24 on we, 12 from 17, which we, like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> we need to talk about this while we will wrap the Ramat Gan section on this. But is we, it Rose? Rose was zero from two free throws after coming on this podcast and saying, make your free throws. <laughs> I wouldn't say this about anyone else in the world. Um, one of Rose, but yeah. it, we were texting about this as the game was starting because we, I j- joked just now being like, Hey, come on, Hanover, watch some games on YouTube and know that you should jump Rose. But Ramat Gan were in the same building and presumably watching their games as they were happening. And for the first three possessions, Rose caught the ball on the wing and they're like, Hey, let's not worry too much about her. And yeah. It like, and it wasn't even like, it's not like, hey, we're going to stay under this screen. People were kind of like, yeah, I'll jump. Like, I'll get there. And it's like, no, no, Rose is like, she catches the ball, hit the big red button, sign the alarm. Like, <laughs> Rose is like, hey, chair on foot, play when ball hits hand, please. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. Like, was, I don't know if there's a coach in the Spanish league, for example, whose clipboard hasn't said something about that yeah. in the last two, three years. But come yeah, on. it was bizarre to say the least and it gave uh, I think Ramagan are a respectable team but that level of error in basic game planning gave the final a slightly oh we're just happy to be here feel from their end it's like you very easily could have solved this part of the problem I don't think they would have beaten Gran Canaria but it's like hey take away the easy stuff and make the team that's better than you have to figure it out from their end not play into their hands yeah, like even if you had to both reach your absolute ceilings, Grand Canaria would have um, blitzed them. But like, don't don't give them that stuff. Make them go get it. And a lot of it is like Grand Canaria force you into rotations and have good passers and have got a lot of size and whatever. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. That, like, that is letting letting Rose have seventeen shots. Like twelve <laughs> of them are going to go in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was Ramagan. They obviously did. We'll talk about how they got to the final because that'll take us back in time a little bit. But they beat Toulouse, who I going into this would have said, if you forced me to pick a top three, like not final standings, but best teams, I would have gone Gran Canaria, Hanover, Porto Torres, I think, because yeah, Paddy Azar is the man, and we'll get into this, but. Tommy Gray was a pretty good second best player to go with Hadi Azar until they decided they weren't friends anymore. But uh, yeah, so Toulouse beat Porto Torres in the first game and I was like, what doesn't, like, Toulouse shouldn't have this. And to Hadi Azar's credit, he had 44 points and 21 rebounds in the game. But Toulouse ran the kind of Bilbao stuff where they, maybe not this year's Bilbao, but previous years Bilbao where it's like a pick back and a five on four dump down layup that takes 94 feet to materialize uh, yeah. and Toulouse did that to Porto Torres over and over into winning that game and making the semi-final and then Ramat Gan were like hey we're massive and physical and you're 
just not going to do that to us. Like, yeah. was ba- basically their game plan. Um, yeah, watching a team like system their way to beating the team that has the higher level talent is always interesting to me. Like yeah. watching Toulouse be like, hey, if we do this right for 40 minutes, it doesn't matter if he has 40 and 20. Yeah. Which is like, also he had 44, 20 and two, which is like, <laughs> I really wanted to give him the belt that day out of principle yeah, because I don't think winning should matter because the belt is about vibes and stuff. Well, I don't think it should matter, but I think I also hadn't got familiar with Toulouse at that point and I didn't think they were particularly great. Um, yeah. So I was like, like losing to a team that you don't, like I think it's like we underestimated to lose at that point potentially. Sure. But um, well, I'm gonna go turn the light on because it's just gotten really dark. That's fine. I'll vamp. So yeah, the um the thing that got me was that to lose obviously have Nabil, I don't know how you pronounce his surname, Gudon, maybe the Algerian fella. And he's like high-level talent, has been for a long time. And I think they kind of were able to use his ball handling to counteract Hadi Azara a little bit, but they, Toulouse play like him and three kind of inside scorers and a female low, and Porto Torres, as they have for as long as I can remember, roll out two traditional ones, and yeah. it was just mismatches on it. It's what seemed like every Toulouse offense, and they finished off pretty effectively. I don't think any of their guys are particularly high level and the Beals obviously on the downside of his career because he's pretty old now but yeah Toulouse were just kind of clinical and for all Hadi Azar's individual brilliance it wasn't enough no also Portadores play Raimondi who's a two but like small yeah well <laughs> very, very he small. is until he saw the female one on Toulouse and he was like hey I'm gonna post her up <laughs> he like demanded the ball on two separate post ups against her um, um, I don't know how he can see over his knees when he plays. I just don't understand how he can sit like that. But it? But he also played the first game against Toulouse. They lost that one, and then he sat out and coached the rest. So I don't know if he was like, hey, I'll stick around as long as things are going well, and if not, I'm just going to tell you guys what to do. Or if they lost that game and he was like, hey, there's nothing for me here anymore. I've been at this longer than most of you guys have been alive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he um, might have got hurt, like gen- being generous. Yeah, but. yeah. I, I don't know what happened there. I, Botaris are an interesting one, Mike. It feels like every year they go out and sign the two or three splashiest guys they can manage, and then yeah. fill in however they can. And the parts that fill in just year after year aren't good enough. And that even goes back to like the George, Phil, Matt Scott years. That was maybe seven or eight years ago now. Yeah, well, that like that was they were they were a legitimate team back then, but like since then, it's been like ah, let's go out and get some guys and like try and just and it is like a symptom of teams having a certain amount of money and choosing it like choosing to put it on top level talent and figuring the rest out. But I don't know, like you haven't figured the rest out is what I would say. Definitely. Um, So yeah, Toulouse ended up. Having beaten Portaras, Toulouse then lost to Ramagan, so they ended up in the bronze game against Sitting Bulls, who have the same team as they have had for approximately the last 73 seasons. And I don't think Sitting Bulls have ever missed a qualifying round. Sorry, like missed qualifying in a qualifying round and making it to a finals. I've also never known them to finish in the top three of any of the finals they've gone to. So this legitimately might be the peak of their existence in what will probably go down as a weird forgotten about Euro Cup because the qualifying rounds didn't happen and everyone will eventually shrug it off and be like, hey, this doesn't count. You were just there because you could make it and you were available. Yeah, but I guess for them, it's you got a player who's in front of you sort of thing, but... Yeah, they are one of the, like, because they don't play in a league that I think anyone follows every time they show up in EuroLeague. It's like, oh, yeah, those guys. <laughs> like, yeah. it's the, They're the that guys of the wheelchair basketball world, I think. Um, not, not like, no disrespect. It's just, like, if you play in a league that people don't watch a whole lot yeah. um, or from a country that people don't really follow the league of, that's kind of what happens. But then there's something cool about being able to 
go to a EuroLeague having maybe not played high-level basketball in your own league for a while and coming and doing this anyway. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting because they've obviously got, to say they're Austrian, they have a massive mix of, they've like got a couple of the native guys. They have a couple of Turkish guys, I think, um, who must be Austrian citizens by now because they've been there forever. Their big 4.5 is, I think, Czech, Andra Pliska is his name. But uh, yes. he's been knocking around forever. And I think he has been, he's played at Mo at some point and maybe a couple other teams around France. So I think he's kind of the most veteran and experienced and is probably like, hey, this is what EuroLeague takes. And they're like, we know we're the same team we've had for the last 11 years. Yeah. Uh, but I think like they're a pretty good illustrate, a pretty good illustration of like the the sort of like, levels of quality in the world of wheelchair basketball because like these guys have come here and come third here but we're talking about them as if they kind of are playing a bit above their station but i remember i played them the first time i went to Euroleague with a like an amateur sheffield steelers team when we were all young fellows and they absolutely smoked us <laughs> like a competent basketball team yeah but just don't have the don't have the the maybe they don't have the finances to bring players in or they don't play in a league that like it's really hard to get better players to come and play yeah the, in Spain or this is it man they they've hosted Euro Cup a couple of times and they sorry uh, qualifying rounds a couple of times and they've got pretty good setup and they're associated with an able bodied team and everything they draw pretty good crowds but if they yeah. could like even get I think they would genuinely be better suited trying to push themselves into like competing in the German second league or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know um, how viable that is or whatever, but it feels like you're not winning anybody over with the argument of, hey, come and play in the Austrian league where we've won every year for the last 25 years because <laughs> I, I couldn't name you another Austrian team like if you held a gun to my head. But not that anyone would hold a gun to my head over such an irrelevant subject matter. But um, yeah, I mean, they beat Toulouse, who I think if you'd have asked me after day one, I would have called Toulouse to win this one. But I think maybe this is the tournament effect on a slightly older team because Toulouse is a pretty, you know, they've got a couple of older guys and relying on a female load to play 40 minutes every game is a lot of physical burden in a male-dominated competition. And yeah. That's- yeah, also, I, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Like, that's a pretty grim combination to have to run out for three games in two days. Yeah. Obviously, like, especially that that's a, it's a hell of a turnaround. Like, I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head what time they played yesterday. It was, they had the uh, four o'clock slot yesterday, I think. Ah, oh, that's not too bad, but then still, that's yeah, not enough turnaround. So, um, yeah, shall we? Because this is this was the most outside of the Gran Canaria clinics that were going on. Hanover and Porto Torres was actually quite an interesting game because this was Omid Hadiazar coming off back to back forty and twenty games. And Amit Vigoda, who quietly against Gran Canaria had 27. And then he also had, I think they played Pilatus the next day and he had 20 odd against them as well. And this was kind of the mobile ball handling fours or four fives battle of this tournament. And oh, quick Hadi Azano, in their team photo for this tournament, he's wearing a cap backwards, which I thought was hilarious. I don't know why. But, yes. Um, anyway, that so, is hilarious. I love it. This was the kind of showdown of these two, and this was kind of—I don't know if this will go down as the Amit Vigoda I've arrived game because they're against an inferior opposition. But man, I don't know if I've seen an individual. I'm just going to win this game performance many times like that one. Um, oh yeah, unbelievable. He finished with 35. He was five from seven threes. This is off the top of my head because I'm finding the stats here. But, yeah, I got them. Yeah, this was just a talent discrepancy between the two teams aside. Vigoda was just out for it in this one for whatever reason. So yeah, yeah. 30, 35, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, 12 from 24 shooting, including 
five of seven threes. And yeah, it kind of says a lot about his impact on the game that even when Hanover were running the subs, Vigoda played 40 minutes because his coach was like, I can't reasonably take this guy out of here. No. Also, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, got to the line six times, which which is important. But yeah, just playing against a guy who has had 40 and 44 and 35, him only having 10 and you having the 35 point game. You know what I mean? Like being like being the guy who's playing against someone like Omid Haliazar and you being the 35 point scorer is pretty special. Yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah. This is about, I mean, obviously Hanover would be the first team to tell you they weren't excited to be in the fifth and sixth playoff game after losing the quarterfinal, but respect to them for coming out and taking care of business, I guess. And it, I think they've left no doubt realistically that they were, that you couldn't make a case against them, that they wouldn't have made the final had it turned out another way. No. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think it was really cool watching them and, this was again kind of, I think this was maybe a worn down Portaro's team when Hadizar finished with 10, but he was four from 20. And I think that was kind of a, hey, I've done, I've had two intense lots of 40 minutes in the last like 48 hours prior to this. Yeah, um, this was the only game that they didn't just play five guys as well. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the, the other story from this game is that something happened mid-game and Tommy Gray and Omid Hadiazar had a fallout about something or other. I don't claim to know what happened, but there was a lot of arm-waving, refusing to pass each other the ball, and ultimately Tommy Gray being subbed out and not joining the team for the timeouts and halftime talks. So this is the end of the Porto Torres season because they're obviously out of the Italian League uh, playoffs and stuff now, but yeah, this looked like some frustrations finally boiling over in, well, we're not going to have to, you know, this team's not going to have to hang out anymore after this tournament. We can all get on our flights and go home. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, uh, I don't know what happened at all, but that's never nice to see. Um, it's always interesting, but it's kind of a bit like, ah, uh, there's real people involved. This is maybe not like... Yeah, this is not like box office stuff, um, but I don't know, man. Yeah, it was interesting, and I don't have a clue what happened, but had a bit of a chuckle, and then was a bit like, oh, God, this this looks a bit grim. That's never fun. I don't know if you've ever been on a team that anything like that has ever happened, but anything that's even like 5% of that is really uncomfortable to be around. So. The obligatory calming Ben Fox down at every timeout <laughs> was like my, the closest. He's nowhere I've, near that. No, what are we talking about? No, I'm only joking there. That was just kind of my, my role for a couple of years there as the Fox Whisperer. But um, <laughs> right, last game of this tournament, and then we'll do our, um, our All-Star Fives. But this was Pilatus Dragons a.k.a. the Swiss national team, I think, and Halakim Haifa, who were the second Israeli team in this tournament. Pilatus Dragons are another one who've had the same team, more or less, ever since I've known EuroCup to be a thing. Um, yeah. Maurice Amacher and Yannick Binder have both been around and about in Germany and Italy at various points, but who obviously returned to the motherland. Um Nicholas Hauserman was old when I first played against Pilatus in EuroLeague 11 years ago and is still old now, but man, can that guy hit a bank shot? I think hit, him and Chema Avendanio should have a year-by-year year, like rock up on an agreed date and just have a bank shot shootout. That should be like in place of a wheelchair basketball all-star game. That's so funny because like Chema's <laughs> not even old. <laughs> but yeah. He just looks it. Uh, he's been he just, great. He just for has him. gray hair in his thirties, but um, yeah, he can he can do some stuff. And like as you say, the same thing is like I think he was around in my first Euro Cup ever. Yeah, and was an older man at that point. So fair play. I I, I gotta respect just hanging on. Yeah, I think we should do. I was thinking about tons of like all such and such teams that we could have done based off these Euro Cups. We've not had enough time to get them together. And some of the ones we've talked about in our own time definitely aren't things we should say publicly about people. But um, yeah, I, I, did, <laughs> I did think there was 
the, these two year league rounds had a real um, case to make a team of. I can't believe this guy's still at it. All star five. Oh yeah, and yeah, Nicholas Hausman would have made that. Um, Yannick Binder quietly had a pretty good tournament. He had a couple of like high twenties games, and I think he had a thirty against Halakim Haifa, who, granted, aren't the strongest opponent in the world. Um, yeah, thirty and eight in that final game, which is like I don't know. It's the seventh and eighth game, but like still, yeah. I presumably from looking at his kind of, I think he's been at Sassari and was in Germany and uh, maybe was at Santa Stefano at one point briefly, but presumably he's gone back to Switzerland for the long term. But I think it's a shame because the a lot of teams in a lot of leagues have gone more mid-heavy now and he's like a reasonable size, agile 3-5 who is pretty comfortable playing the block and the pick and roll and finishing. I think there's yeah. a lot of, I think his game is more suited to how a lot of teams want to play now than it was when he was first abroad. Was yeah. abroad in terms of away from Switzerland. So yeah, it's cool to see he's still kicking on, man. But I wish he'd he'd get another run and ditto for Mo Amasher, really, because he was good in his Rhine River Rhinos years. Yeah, of course. I it's like we said it in the other podcast about Euroleague too, but like the bottom of each of these tournaments kind of ends up being like, oh yeah, that guy. Like yeah. <laughs> might be like I don't know, but I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but it's like, oh, I forgot this guy was still kicking or I forgot this guy was still playing at this level. or And it's really cool to see. I'm like, I don't know. Um, I just I, like even the seventh, eighth playoff, watching someone go for 30 is a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Do you think, because it's really tough to, like you said about sitting bulls uh, as well, being like the lone team in Austria that anyone's ever heard of. Do you think there is just a case that like, hey, if you are in EuroLeague, you have to play in a like domestic league against good teams. Like it feels like it should be a requirement because it feels like Pilatus Dragons could easily play in France and be a top half of the league team, for example. Um I don't I I think it helps. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can make that role because you're not responsible for any team that isn't you, yeah. obviously, but um. Yeah, like it, it. I think like I can only go as far as saying it certainly helps you, but definitely. Um. No, I. I, I don't think you can do that to people because it's not their fault. Their leagues are bad. Yeah, <laughs> you can't do that to people, but you could just be like, hey, if you all move over the Swiss border into any of the um countries bordering you, you've probably got a crack in a good league, but. It's like when we used to play in the British League and you had to play Exeter once a year and they're like, hey, we have to travel this far for every game. Don't feel sorry for yourselves. It's like you choose to live somewhere that is inconvenient for yourselves and everyone else on Earth. <laughs> Don't expect it from me. <laughs> yeah, uh, there is the thing of like, you go to an away game. Even in Spain, we do it a lot. Where So we go to an away game and I'll complain about it. And I'll be like, oh, how do you guys do this? Never mind me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, right. So All-Star 5, what have you got? So just for the sake of us having this um, in front of us, this is the point where I would have already had this in front of me. They went for Omid Hadiazar, um, Rose Hollerman, Jan Haller, Amit Vigoda. And who was the fifth? The Israeli 2-5, whose name you were worried you messed up earlier, that I don't uh, have to me right now, but I soon will. Pardon? I said the Israeli 2-5, who... Oh, yeah, Dagamin, yeah. Dagamin, that's one. But also, that's over points. So what are we doing here? It is over points, but counterpoint, there were no good ones in this entire tournament. Uh, yeah, so my all-star five kind of goes on. Here's four players. I'll just stick a fifth in there um, because I don't want to go over points. But who do you who do you have? Who's your who's your five? So my initial take was I was going to go Hadiazar. Um, I was debating the Vigoda versus Jorge Sanchez thing because I think Jorge Sanchez. Oh, I'm not going to hold his foul trouble against him because I. 
I'm only bothered about foul trouble if you're unproductive in the minutes. If foul trouble disrupts your rhythm and then you can't contribute when you're on the floor, then it becomes a problem. But Jorge was pretty productive. So I was going to go Hadiazar, Jorge Sanchez. I was initially going to go Rose as her full 3.5 with no deductions. And then go get icon yourself. Yeah. Um, And then go Jan Haller and whatever 1.0 I could find. However, there were no ones who were good. There was the one from Pilatus Dragons is not terrible, but they finished seventh, so he's out. Um, Luca Pugioni from Post Torres is all right, but he's a 1 5, and also Post Torres finished sixth, so I'm not having two all star five representatives. So I thought long and hard about putting David from Gran Canaria in, but I wasn't giving them three guys. And sure. David, their coach, couldn't really make his mind up as to whether to play him or Raul, so I don't know if that's all-star material. So I've settled on allowing Rose to be her usual two points that she plays as, and then my picks were actually the exact all-star five team that they selected, and I was going to preface this by being like, hey, I'm going over points because I am not picking a team with just placeholder one because I don't think that's how all-star teams should work. And these teams never play each other and are entirely theoretical, so I'm going to give myself half a point's leeway because no one has to put them on the floor. And then I was validated by the fact that the tournament, like choosers of the team, did the same thing anyway because they looked around, they're like, man, all these ones are awful. Yeah, to be fair, I did ask you... Like, I, I had to be like, hey, what points is that guy? Because, like, if he was a two rather than a two five, I was going to go for it. Yeah. But um, so what I struggled with was like, Jorge is like one of the most important players on far and away the best team here. Um, played 27 minutes a game, had 14, eight and 14, eight and a half, four and a half. But in the final, he went 24, 12, and 17 when the refs actually let him play. In comparison, Omid, in 40 minutes a game, averaged 39 and a half, 20, and 5. And I mean, we go to average. I feel like we're glossing over 20 rebounds here. That would get most people into an all-star five on its own, even if they had no other stats. No, we're glossing over 40 points a game. Um, <laughs> and we're, um, I mean, we got in 40 in 32 minutes at 23, nine and four and a half. Yeah. So like more, more, both those guys put up bigger numbers than Jorge, but like, as I say, rest and let Jorge play. So I'm going to go Jorge, I'm going to flip a coin between Amit and um, Omid. Um, but no, I'm actually going to go for those guys played each other and Amit absolutely showed up. So Amit gets it, even though all of me wants to just vote for being an absolute gunner. <laughs> um, Jan Haller, Rose Hollerman, and we'll play four on five because I literally don't care. But I'm going to go like th- those four probably win this tournament. I have a counterpoint that I've just thought of now. What is your counterpoint? Is the real All-Star 5 of this tournament, and let me vamp while I get the Toulouse stats up, which I'm sure is a plot twist you weren't expecting. Also, Um, you can go like Tobias Hell, or no, Oliver Yance is a 2. Yeah, Oliver Yance played well, actually. had a 17-point game at one stage. Um, Yeah, average 10 and 2. Is, um, yeah, like you could go Oliver Yance under points. There you go. That's mine. Is sorry, Oliver. Is this that you go? Omid Hadiazar, so that's four. Amit Vigoda, four and a half, so that's eight and a half. Jorge Sanchez, four, so that's twelve and a half. Rose Holloman as a two brings it to fourteen and a half. And then we just plump with Florence Dumeshkodon, who is the female one from Toulouse, who I think if you can build a strong enough team around her is pretty solid as she showed this tournament. And that feels like that gets me the four people that I really wanted in there with no offense to Jan Haller or uh, Dagamin from Ilan Ramatgan. But I feel like maybe getting Florence in there to facilitate 
the kind of four most impactful players of the tournament is what is called for here. Um, what I would like to say is that silver points. Um, <laughs> I mean, with the reduction, it isn't, but I, I just, I, I think I agree. I think that's the, that's the essence of it. Yeah. So picture- that's probably the four top scorers of the tournament and like some someone that makes it work. Sure. And Rose Gold. That's not to discredit making it work. Like I have this conversation all the time where it's like if you're um on the floor because you're absolutely essential to getting these these people on the floor, it's worth it. Like Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, so that's your cup one. And we're Wait, can you have um two female point reductions? Can you go to 17 and a half? No, no. you go to 17. So maybe that's over as well. It is. Oh, so man. we can't do that. We're terrible at this. I'll go back to my original half a point over team. <laughs> no, I'm I'm team I'm team Tobias Hell on okay. this. Fair enough. Cool name anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. So we've gone to Hanover, to Grand Canaria, and um, how do you? Oh God, no, I've gone three Hanover. I don't want to do that either. <laughs> um, maybe, um, maybe we'll just plump for the team that the tournament picked and we'll just roll with that because if being half a point over is good enough for them i i'm sure i can live with it good enough for them um i could pick david my captain oh captain you could also in the name of making points work and you've just said about how making it work is an honorable thing you could also take jan haller out for luca pujoni but there is no chance on this earth i am doing that No, no, I'm not. I would not do that to myself or Jan or the people in this hypothetical team. Yeah. So I'm sticking over points. So, yeah, this has been part two of the early wrap up. We've got two weeks now until Champions Cup. So we are going to start getting the ball rolling on some content towards that. So keep an eye out and hit up our coffee page where there will be some EuroLeague exclusive content. If you've listened to both episodes at this point, thank you for sticking with us for almost an hour and 45 minutes. We appreciate that. And yeah, we will be back with some more content coming up soon. Yes. uh, Let us know what you think your All-Star Fives would be because we didn't really get one this time. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Let me know specifically if you think that choosing All-Star Five over points is criminal because I think it's completely pointless. But yeah. it's pointless. The whole thing is pointless, so I guess. It's pointless because picking teams that aren't ever going to coalesce and play is ultimately pretty pointless. But Yeah, that's fair. We're right. right. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great week, and we'll be back with a roundup. We will. Peace out, everybody. Bye.